This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's All Night. Lariano has hit it out again. A's Baseball, just for you. Here is A's All Night. I'm Alex Jensen, and it's time for A's All Night. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he plants one. Way back. It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Alex Jensen. That was cute, Cody. The commander. Working overtime. On the intro, I liked it. When you're the number one podcast on all of Major League Baseball, you, we, we can kind of do whatever we want. You can do things like that. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. It's great to have you back. Brother. It's great to be back. Alex Jensen with you for A's Cast Live on Thursday, August 27th. It's a great day to go for a sweep today as the A's have, uh, man, they have really started this homestand with a bang. Five and one through the Astros and the Yankees through six games and going for the sweep of the Yankees today. Again, I'm Alex Jensen in for Chris Townsend who is uh, – on Again, assignment. On assignment, yes, uh, in, in Winnipeg, Manitoba. He will join the program later, as will Coco Crisp. John Sterling, the radio voice of the uh, New York Yankees, will join us as well. And Gene Fruth, who is uh, the photographer and author of Grassroots Baseball. I would love to get my hands on this book, by the way. I love coffee table books. I mean, I don't know who uh, saw the video earlier today getting ready for A's Cast Live on, on Twitter, me going off about ballpoint pens. But coffee table book, I mean, you get lost in one of those things for hours. So it'll be interesting to talk to Gene Fruth about about hers, Grassroots Baseball, which uh, are, features photos from all over the world, uh, kind of youth baseball, amateur baseball, all the above. So we'll talk to her about that. But today it's a great day to go for a sweep. If the A's have a chance to sweep the New York Yankees. That is something that has not been done since, August, or since uh, April, rather, 8th to the 10th. When the Yankees were swept at Houston, this team, the New York Yankees, has lost one series since the All-Star break. Make it two now. But coming into this series, the New York Yankees had lost two series, or one series, pardon me, coming into this series. And that was a three out of four against the Red Sox. So this is a team that's playing well, and everyone circled this homestand on the calendar. I don't know what it is about the water out here. But we'll, we'll talk to Coco Crisp about this later. Why is it that the Oakland A's always seem to turn it on right around this time of year? It's, it's remarkable. It, it is remarkable. Because I remember listening to A's Clubhouse when, uh, when 
after that first Giants game in town, he was saying, oh, you got to take care of these, you know, the, a team like the Giants, which he's right, you do. You know, especially when you've got the Astros coming to the Coliseum and the Yankees coming to the Coliseum. But again, I mean, the A's have, have dare I say, exceeded expectations through the first six games this homestand. They've now won six of seven. They're 5-1 and one through the first six of this homestand against the teams, the two best records in the American League, and a team that early in the year, when you talk about the Astros, they couldn't buy one against. I mean, the Astros, it seemed, beat the A's in every single way. And here the A's are. You know, I think that first game against Houston was huge, winning a back-and-forth ball game. You know, the A's put up a few, then Houston comes back, then the A's come back. This team just seems to get better and better as the year goes on. And that carried right over into last night. A 6-4 to four win for the A's over the Yankees. And they're now second uh, in the wild card ahead of Tampa Bay. Now they've played two less games than the Rays have. But remember the suspended game is still coming up in a couple weeks against the Tigers. The A's have not played the Royals yet. I mean they, they've got some games in hand now against teams that they should be able to beat. A couple big stories last night of course. Mike Fires picked up his 13th win of the year. I mean, how good has he been since May? He hasn't lost since his no-hitter against the Reds back in May. He's been everything you could want out of a number one in your rotation. And it's amazing to me that he's doing it without throwing. I mean, he really, he really doesn't break 91 miles an hour. You know, he changes speeds. And he, he's kind of gone more, if you watch Mike Fires pitch, he, he's gone a little bit more from a fly ball pitcher to now he's getting a lot of ground balls. He's using a sinking fastball now. He's incorporated a slider. If you remember when Mike Fires came here a year ago, he was a guy that pitch, likes to pitch high in the zone, get you with that overhand curveball, throwing the change up every now and then. But he's doing it in a bunch of different ways. He is moving the ball up and down, and he's using his two-seam fastball much more. So he's been impressive. Chris Davis getting off the schneid last night. First home run in August. And th- that looked like a Chris Davis swing to me. I mean, he's been swinging hard, but he, he's just been missing some pitches. But I think he's healthy, but he, he just needs a couple of swings. We'll talk to Coco about this, but needs a couple of good results to kind of get the ball rolling in the right direction. And what he did last night, I mean, did that, did that home run not look like a Matt Olson home run off the bat, like a left-handed power hitter's home run to straightaway right field, just left of, or rather into the, the Budweiser seats up there. I mean, that's what that looked like to me. That's what Chris Davis does when he's healthy. I was going to say, that's, that's what I used to, I'm used to seeing him as, as a, as a, pull, as a uh, Apo Taco hitter. So when he did that yesterday, it's like, all right, this guy, maybe this is going to get him back on track because he's got, what, two home runs in two months now? And this is a guy you're banking on being the, the power hitter in your lineup, and here we are. Well, you th- And you think about a couple of weapons that have been kind of some of the A's calling cards over the last year and a half, Chris Davis and the bullpen. And if, if Lou Trevino can, can kind of pick up where he left off, as A.J. Puck is as advertised, if, uh, you know, Blake Trinan can pick up where he left off the other day, I mean, that, that, that gives you two major weapons, gives you back two major weapons, and including adding a guy like Jake Diekman, what Liam Hendricks is now, gives you back two major weapons that you had down the stretch last year that made this team a playoff team a year ago and took them to 97 wins. That, that performance by Liam last night, that's probably his best of the year, right? Unbelievable. Five-out save. Unbelievable. I mean, the way he was fired up after the eighth inning, after coming for, for Puck, after he, he had a couple guys on, and he uh, he looked fired up and to get, to get those outs. And the way he's pitched all year, I mean, ramping up the velocity to 99, it's incredible to see a guy that was DFA'd around this time last year started a playoff game and that was the closer for the team. It's a remarkable, remarkable 180 on the way his career's turned in the last year. It's interesting if you read 
read into some of that stuff because he really has bought in all the way. After he was DFA'd last year, I think he kind of looked at himself in the mirror, it sounds like, and he said, listen, I get, I'm gonna ch- I got to change my diet. I've got to change the way I do some things. And to your point, now he's an all-star closer. And what he did last night, as, I mean, look at, the, look at the hitters that he went through. Never mind the fact that the A's are in a pennant race, that he had to go through five outs uh, to, to nail that game down. The situation that he came in, you know, with, uh, with the go-ahead run in the batter's box. But he went through the one through five hitters in this lineup. DJ, DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez. The Sanchino. The, the Sanchino. We saw him in the hallway, by the way. Yeah. He is a tank. He, he's a big guy. He's a big boy. Speaking of DJ, DJ LeMahieu, I mean, coming into the series, he comes in a guy you can think of as the AL MVP. Think about that. The leadoff hitter for the New York Yankees yeah. who have been using so many guys. Mike Talkman's having a great year. Uh, who knew who Mike Ford was before this? Who knew season? who like, Mike Talkman was? Yeah, Talkman. Got it. He played for the Rockies. He, and a- Aaron Boone. I mean, usually don't want to, usually don't give the manager of the year award to a Yankees manager, but what he's done with this team, of what they've used the IL like 175 times this year already. <laughs> they've let 16 guys on the IL. 16 currently. guys on the IL. One of them right being John Carlos Stanton, your your power hit. They have like 200. They're not that far behind the Twins for second home runs in Major League Baseball. They set the record last year at 267, and and Stanton hasn't he's barely played all year, and they're still right, they have like 200. And, 20, I, mean, I think almost 230 home runs, something like that. It's, it's amazing. crazy. They're, they're going to break their own team record from last year. Without Giancarlo Stanton. Without Stanton in the lineup, yeah. Incredible. People and like Aaron Mike Judge, stepping up. Aaron Judge has hit, what, 12 home runs this Thir- 13. year? 13. 13 home runs. His yeah. 13th home run was here the other night against Joaquin Soria. All right. Which he did not miss. Yeah, that, all rise. Yeah, yeah well, he, we'll hear some of that a little later yeah. here on. That was what, that was what his first home run he hit. That he pulled all year. Yeah, first home run he pulled all year, which is amazing. Yeah, he's I mean, uh, he's he, he channels inner Chris Davis all season. And then he finally, he's like, I'm, I'm going to pull a ball this time. He doesn't step in the bucket as Chris Davis does, and hit and still has the ability to hit it out the opposite field. And we're not even talking yet about AJ Puck. You know, the the electricity that was in this stadium when when that's a tough situation to make your major league debut. Just like we talked about with Liam Hendricks, you're facing the Yankees, you're pitching the eighth inning, you've got a two-run lead. You know, I'm sure Bob Melvin would have preferred to give him maybe a little bit softer landing, but, you know, they got through it. He came out on the other side, and that guy, if, if you didn't watch the game last night, you, you start thinking about what's possible with this dude. I mean, he was throwing 99 miles an hour. You know, he's 6'7". You can see why yeah. he's why he is, you know, compared to why people compare him to the big unit, Randy Johnson. I mean, he's, he's over here playing – Hacky sack just about, you know, 50 feet from us. And, I mean, he is every bit of 6'7", every bit of 6'7". And, we, you know, 99 is is tough to hit as it is. But you get all those arms and legs coming at you, the hair as well flowing out from underneath the cap. That's uh, he lo- it, He looks like Randy Johnson. It's and exciting. a little bit of Mitch from Days and Confused. Remember Days and Confused? <laughs> to remind me. With I, the hair, yeah. The it's, hair, it's, yeah. It's the exact Mitch same. was a pitcher. I think he was a ready, though. But he was a ready. He was a ready in the movie. That's what he reminds me of. That I, always I love t- that scene, by the way. I always thought Tim Lincecum was more of the Mitch lookalike, and then A.J. Puck came up with that long, straight hair, and it's like, he kind of reminds me of him a little bit. By the way, as we bring pop culture into this. Yes, exactly. 90s pop culture. Well, why, where are you without 90s pop culture in my think, book? Was A.J. Puck even born the movie came out? I don't think he was. I doubt it. I mean, you, Ben, and I were. But we're, we're getting to the – see, I was born in 86. I'm 33 now. Yeah. There's no way I'll be 31 A.J. Puck. Soon. Yeah, so. Ben's like 30, so. 27. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Marcus Simeon, another home run last night. Uh, where would the A's be without this guy? You talk about, you know, this club's MVP, and you can go down the list. And I'll, I'll talk to Coco about this a little bit, too. But I think you'd be remiss if you didn't mention Mark Hanna in that conversation. Uh, the way he's filled in, he's, listen, when Matt Olson was out, he's another MVP candidate on this club for me, filled in for Matt Olson. Same thing with Steven Piscotti, same thing with Chris Davis, and now Ramon Laureano. But I, I think the, the four names that you kind of talk about in the A's 
uh, MVP conversation, maybe five. I think you go, obviously, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon. Those are probably your three front runners. And then I think the two dark horses could be Mark Canna and Liam Hendricks. What do you think? I, I agree. I think I heard Ken say this on the broadcast last night on my way home. I heard him say that he thinks uh, Marcus Simeon should get some looks for AL MVP. Why not? I mean, he's on pace to have 118 runs, 28 homers. 28 homers. What he his career has at 27, I believe, was Marcus's career high. He's having a, he's having one heck of a season, and he's he's your leadoff guy. Your leadoff guy putting up 28 homers. I mean, yeah, people are going to go, well, you know, it's the juice ball there. I, he's your leadoff hitter, and, well, and he plays stellar defense from he, a guy that before you know he. But there was questions if he could even ground if he would even make it as a shortstop. And look at him now; he's one of the best, not in just American League and Major League Baseball. You bring up a good point uh, because the, the the leadoff spot for the A's is something that's kind of been a revolving door of sorts over the last few years, and he's he's solidified that spot. So that's, I mean, that's another thing he's given. And obviously his defense at shortstop, uh, that has been covered extensively as well as Liam Hendricks. I heard you, so you told me you, you ordered one of the, the strikeout yes, bullying I shirts. Did. Yes, I did. I ordered one the other night, and then um, he, he was on the show, I believe it was Monday, and, or it was Tuesday. One of the days he came on, I bought this shirt before he came on because I saw him wearing it, and I was like, I'm going to buy this, and it, it's for a good cause for the, you know, help stop bullying. So it's a really good cause. But I believe we have it on, the, uh, on our athletics Twitter and A's cast 24 Twitter as well. We put some stuff out. So, you know, if you can help out. Athletics cast 24. Athletics cast, yes, that's, that's true. My bad. But it's nice. I, I, might, I, I, might know I, run, well. I run the social media account for this program. I should, should know, know what, that. The, what, the, what the handle is. Another uh, kind of storyline here is we have game. At Jensen 86. 86, yes. It used to be 8886. I got rid of the two eights. Story for another day. <laughs> it's just too much of a mouthful. But another, another kind of underlying story here as the A's go for the sweep today is their kind of ownership over the Yankees over the last handful of years, especially here at the Coliseum. You know, over the last three years, the A's are 8-1 and one against the Yankees in this building, 20-7 and seven since 2012. Uh, they've had more success against the Yankees than any team in the American League. Hopefully that continues tonight. It'll be Tanner Roark, uh, the A's trade deadline acquisition, big-time trade deadline acquisition. We saw Homer Bailey earlier in this series. We'll see if uh, Tanner Roark can follow suit. And against uh, the Sun will come out. Tanaka. Tanaka. Oh, man, I can't, I can't wait. You did a great job mixing all that stuff. I can't wait to get to all that. Okay, up next we're going to welcome in Chris Townsend from International Waters. Who foots the phone bill for this? That, uh, is it? Matt Pearl. Matt Pearl, okay. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, Chris Townsend will be coming up next right here on A's Cast Live from Ricky Henderson Field. Broadcasting from the town, A's Cast Live continues. And Glaver swings and drills one. Deep left field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a three-run home run for Glaber Torres. It's Glaber Day again. Glaber Torres hits his 12th home run against Baltimore. Wow. A three-run home run like a good Glaber. Torres is there. What a shot by Gary Sanchez. The Sanchino. It is high. It is far. It is gone. A Judgian blast. The deep left center field. All rise. Here comes the Jed. The sun will come out. Tanaka. Bet your bottom dollar with Tanaka. An A-bomb from A-Rod. His 500th home run. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Uh, I could listen to those all day. The, the sun will come out, Tanaka. I mean, that is... That is that is gold right there. That's broadcasting gold. The one we forgot is, and he's not playing in a series, and we talked about him last segment, is John Carlos Stanton. The Stantonian. The Stantonian blast. Yes. 
Then when he does the I, old, the he does something else with Stan, like an Italian, and it's really good. But I forgot that one. But I had to sneak the A Rod in because that's like his like one of his famous ones. An A bomb from A Rod. The Glaber Day was was pretty. I want to know how he comes up with those. I hope we get a chance to ask him when he's down here. Uh, but I, I want to know exactly how he comes up with those. How long? How long has he been doing that? The the Iron Man of not broadcasting, but of Major League Baseball. Kyle Ripken, take a back seat to John Sterling. Five thousand sixty consecutive games in the booth. Alex Jensen with you alongside the commander. Our guy Ben here on Ricky Henderson Field. A's cast live on this Thursday. A's are going for the sweep against the Yankees tomorrow. They'll have a rare off day on uh, on Friday. And I'm being told, are we joined now by the man uh, in international waters, Chris Townsend, the face of A's cast. How many phones, Townie, have you downloaded A's cast on in Canada so far? Yes, I have. I've actually put it on uh, a few of the Raiders' phones, uh, employees of the Raiders. So even here in the great white north, I am downloading A's cast for people. I'm always doing it. Alex Jensen, the face of uh, A's all night. We're always making it happen no matter where we are. <laughs> uh, Tony, was one of them uh, Was one of them Brent Musburger? <laughs> <laughs> well, Brent lives in Vegas, so he can't listen to it. That's the thing. It's like it's funny. It's like. They're like, can we listen to it right now? I go, no, you have to wait till we get back to the Bay Area where you then can be back in our territory. So being up here, you can't. You can download it, but you can't listen to it because obviously to be able to listen to Acecast, you have to be in the territory. But let me tell you something. Let me give you guys a little breaking news here. Uh, They took out the Canadian goalpost and put in the NFL goalpost, and there's bumps right now in the end zones. I'm not sure we're going to play the football game here tonight. That has not been decided. So we could have a canceled football game between the Green Bay Packers and the Oakland Raiders here in Winnipeg. And, boy, that would be a you-know-what show. It would be a lot of money has been paid to have this game here. And if they cancel it, because preseason games have been canceled before, but it will be really ugly. Going all the way to Canada to have the game canceled, that would be, that, that would be something. Oh yeah, that would be. Uh, as I'm walking to, I'm walking down a tunnel right now as the Raiders are coming. So let me get uh, get out of the way. But how about that win last night? Unbelievable! My God, Liam Hendricks. I mean, you, and you know, we talked about it yesterday that we knew that AJ Puck he had to get in. I mean, when you bring him up, and I know you want to have a soft landing for him, but when you bring him up, you got to get him in the game at some point, right? So to see him out there blowing gas, now we see what the future is with mini Randy Johnson and then Liam Hendricks, what he did. Man, the A's taking three or four with a chance to sweep tonight. This is huge. You know, the A's have such a tough stretch to get to the postseason, but if you battle through this, man, you are going to be a totally battle-hardened team ready for the postseason. There's some great times right now. Well, I remember listening to A's Clubhouse Town after that first Giants game in San Francisco, and, you know, I thought you were absolutely right in saying, hey, you got to take advantage of these games that you can win, especially knowing what you have looming when you get back to the Coliseum with the teams with the two best records in the American League, including one of the teams you're chasing. But what is it about the A's that – it seems like every year they seem to defy what conventional wisdom thinks they should do around this time of year. I mean, they're doing it again. Yeah, I, you know what? And, and, and it's crazy, Alex. This is stuff that's been going on. When the A's have been good, you know, there's been some down years. But when the A's have been good, and this dates all the way back to like 2001, these teams, they get out to, to a, a bad start. It's not the way they want to start. 
And the next thing you know is summertime starts to heat up, and it used to be really the first time because there was two different interleagues during the year. It wasn't year-round. It was usually that first interleague that the A's would start to turn it around. But you think of all the different managers, you think of all the different players, you think of all the different coaches, but yet this just continues to be the same thing. When the A's are good, except if you take out 2014 because they were good from the start and limped down the stretch, most of these teams that are good A's teams, they start off slow, they start to get hot, and then they just start winning big series after big series in the second half. And I think it was really 2012, if you remember, it was in July when the A's took it to the Yankees. And I think that's when everybody went, you know what, this is the real deal. Well, obviously this is later in the season. We're so used to seeing the Yankees earlier in the year, but you take three out of four from the Houston Astros after everybody crowned them basically American League champs after they got Granky. You take three out of four from them, and now you got a chance to sweep the the New York Yankees, and then the Giants just got swept by the Cubs, and you got a chance to beat them for two games at home. I mean, this could be the homestand we look back at and go, this is when we knew this team was really legit. Well, it's something that, that kind of, I don't want to say gets swept under the rug, but that may be a bigger deal if A.J. Puck doesn't make his debut last night is the fact that Chris Davis got off the schneid. I mean, you know, Cody and I were sitting here talking about, you know, how big it would be if this bullpen gets back on track and KD starts hitting the way he's capable of. That we've, I mean, those are two of the guys that really carried this team to 97 wins a year ago. Now, all of a sudden, if those two aspects of this club turn around, you're looking at two major weapons. Alex, it started to get really uncomfortable. You know, when you're yeah. sitting there every day, and as you know, you're around it every day, but when you start adding up these numbers where after 42 games, after 40, the last 43 games, Chris Davis is hitting a buck 87 with only one home run, and you look at some of the swings he's been taking, and some of the swings he hasn't even been close at making contact, and you're really starting to wonder, and there's people like, well, he's hurt. Well, I've investigated it. He's not hurt. No one thinks he's hurt. So, we need to throw that out. He is not hurt. I've been told that he is not injured. He's fine. So to watch him take these swings. So, yes, last night, getting him back. I mean, you get him back on track because he was that guy. As good as Matt Chapman is, as good as Matt Olson is, as good as Ramon Laureano has been this year, really when Chris Davis is hitting home runs and he's hitting those big home runs, he's that guy in the lineup when you're the pitching coach and you're the pitcher, you're always looking for when he's coming up. Because when he's right, the damage he does, I mean, the last three years, no one has hit more game-tying game tying or go-ahead home runs than Chris Davis. Nobody. So he's that one guy in the lineup you always have to be looking for where, when he's coming up. I mean, because that's when, when he's right, I mean, as a, he's been the best home run hitter in baseball the last three years. Need to get him back being that guy. Well, if he's right and hitting in the middle of the lineup, I mean, what does that do for a guy like Chapman, a guy like Olsen? I mean, what kind of pitches are those guys going to start seeing to hit now? Yeah, that's no day at the beach, right? Like, all of a sudden, if you're, you're – I mean, once you get Ramon Laureano back, as we've seen yeah. doing A's Cast 5, he's starting to run. He's going to be back. I mean, you start looking at the length of that lineup, and you start looking at that, and you got, you got Laureano, and you got Chapman, and you got Davis, and you got Olsen. I mean, that's, that's brutal. And one thing that, you know, we, we've talked about throughout the year, for the most part, you, you've had some really good games at times from, from the bottom half of the lineup. So you start looking at the length of the lineup – they can be pretty scary. We were we were also kicking this one around town. You know, we talked about this in the booth actually the other day. I mean, the list is long for potential MVPs for this club. 
You know, you've got a guy like Marcus Simeon who homered last night. Ken actually mentioned he thinks Marcus Simeon should be in the conversation for AL MVP. But then you talk about Matt Chapman and Matt Olson and certainly Ramon Laureano. But I think two guys, and I mentioned this to you the other day. You told me this was a hot take. But a guy that I'm not sure I would pick, <laughs> but but I think that if you put Mark Hanna's name into the conversation for A's MVP, I think you could make a real argument there. Yeah, I gave him the nickname the other night, Duct Tape, because, yeah. you know, whenever you've got a problem, what do you do? You take out Duct Tape, and Duct Tape fixes everything. Well, you look at Mark Canna this year, you know, he's he's had to fill in for KD at DH, did the job. He had to fill in in right field for Stephen Piscotty, did the job. He's playing center field. I, I mean, This is the thing that's just and, – and, and we've joked about it with Bob Melvin on the Bob Melvin Show. It's like – Mark Cannon was a guy who came here, Rule 5, so you didn't even know if he was going to be here that long. And you're wondering, okay, is he a DH? Is he a first baseman? Can he maybe play some third base? And he's playing center field. It's one of the premier positions in all of sports. I, it's, it's just crazy to think. So I, I don't uh, – right now, I, I think for me, I'd probably go Simeon. I think because Simeon – Simeon is the rock yeah. of this team. I mean, Simeon plays every single day. He's a leader by example. He's not the biggest rah-rah guy, but he is a leader by example, and everybody has so much respect for what Marcus Simeon brings. I think the fact that he plays shortstop the way he does now and that he plays every day and he's leading off and he's hitting, he would probably be my MVP. But when you talk about the guy that's got to be the duct tape guy who's got to He's got to fill the gaps for you in so many different ways. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody, and this is a big statement, but I don't know if I've ever seen anybody fill in at that many different positions and hit offensively and play the defense the way he can. I, I don't know if I've really ever seen that, where, where a guy can step in. Oh, he can DH, he can play center, he can play right. I mean, he's playing a premier defensive position in baseball and doing it well. It's crazy. Speaking of the rock, the rock of the A's rotation went last night. Mike Fires gave him five and a third, kind of fighting himself at times a little bit, Townie, but he still did enough to pick up his 12th win. I talked about this in the open. He's kind of reinvented himself since he came back over here. We're seeing a lot more two seams. We're seeing a lot more sliders. He's using the change. He's kind of morphed into this kind of a, a, more of a ground ball guy than he was before. Well, just the fact that you have somebody every five days that he's win day. And when you're a guy that's a win day guy, like everybody knows, hey, Mike Fires pitching today, we're winning. That's the kind of guy that gets votes for Cy Young. And you look at the start of his year where he was getting hammered, where he went three straight starts where he gave up at least six earned runs. And you're thinking, oh, boy, this isn't going to be good. And ever since then, he's been nails. He's been absolutely nails. And, you know, we're not seeing guys go eight, nine innings anymore. But the way Mike Fires goes out there and he's going to give you innings and he's going to give you a shot at winning every single game that he pitches, you know, every single year when the A's are good and they go on runs like this, there's always so many great stories, right? You know, we mentioned Canna. We mentioned Simeon. You mentioned Fires. They have so many great stories, and no doubt Mike Fires is one of those. And I hope people around the country, and we had Matt Vaskersian on, big A's fan from MLB Network and Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. And I said to him, I said, hey, I don't want to sound like an A's homer, but he's got to get consideration for the Cy Young, right? And he was like, of course. So he's 12 and even 3. people at MLB Network are recognizing it. As they should be. I mean, he, he's 12 and 3. He's got a no hitter. He hasn't lost since May, Townie. And it, what's unbelievable, I mean, he's doing this without throwing harder than 92 miles an hour. 
I mean, he's, he's really like pitching. Alex Jensen at St. Mary's. Wow. Oh, man, you went there, huh? <laughs> By the way, Townie, uh, the Rays right now are losing to the Orioles 2 to nothing. So I know Cody's only checking this game to see if the Orioles have given up a home run. Obviously, they have not. But uh, good news for the A's right now is that uh, the Rays seem to be hitting a little bit of a speed bump here. Uh, correct. So that is, you know, 21 straight games of playing teams under 500, and now they're losing to these teams. That is big. So I was really worried because the schedule really laid out so yeah. well for Tampa, and the, and the fact now that they're starting to lose some of these games to these teams that are really bad, like historically bad, and the Orioles are one of them, that is a great sign for the A's and their postseason chances. Well, remember, the A's still have a series to go against Detroit. They have not played the Royals yet. I mean, you know, September does look a little bit more promising in terms of the schedule. Granted, what the A's are doing right now, I'm not sure it matters who they play right now. Uh, but the schedule does look a little bit more promising once we get into September. No doubt. And I can't wait for that series in New York after Kansas City, man. These are playoff games. This, 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 these are the type of series, Houston and New York, and going back to Yankee Stadium, these are the series that get you ready for the postseason because these are the teams you're going to face if you make the postseason. Now, luckily, you're not going to be in a wild-card game at Yankee Stadium again, yeah. but it gets you ready for it. There's no question. These tough series get you they, – they, they sharpen you. They get you ready for the postseason. That's what the A's are doing. Hey, Tony, I know, I know you talk – you got something, Cody? What do you got? Tony, I was going to say iron sharpens iron. Jim Harbaugh, baby, Harbaugh. Boys, I got to get rolling. I got to go do this. Uh, I got they're, they're calling me for the Raiders, but you know I'll be watching here on the sidelines. Have a great rest of the show. And, Alex, get us a sweep, my friend. My man, hopefully there's football for you tonight. <laughs> Chris Townsend on his program, I guess, a guest on his own program. Only so many guys can do that. Townie's one of those only guys. So the score right now, by the way, of, of Orioles-Tampa Bay, it's 2-0 Orioles. Cody, it looks like we are in the top of the second. So the Orioles off to a good start against Tampa Bay. That, that game is being played at Camden Yards. I'm sure we'll keep an eye on that as, as A's cast live rolls along. Uh, Coco Crisp is scheduled next. It sounds like on, he, on his way down. He is on text. Coco got on his way down. He is on his way down. So uh, we just talked about Mark Hanna. We'll talk about more Mark Canna, another guy like Chad Pender who made some plays in center field, has made some plays in the outfield. We'll talk about that with Coco Crisp. And the A's just, again, what what is in the water here around this time of year? I mean, it does not matter who's on the schedule. The A's just keep rolling through, and we'll ask Coco about that. I'm Alex Jensen. This is A's Cast Live. We are live from Ricky Henderson Field. The A's are going for the sweep today against the Yankees, and former A's center fielder Coco Crisp is coming up next. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN. When I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to A's Cast Live. Beautiful day at Ricky Henderson Field. Eduardo Perez knows. ESPN, of course, was in the in the building the last couple days covering this series. Alex Jensen with you here on A's Cast Live as Coco Crisp has made the trip down from the press box. Coco, it's a beautiful day. I know 880 is a mess, but I appreciate you being here. Oh, man, I didn't think <laughs> I was going to make it. I'm looking at my watch, and traffic is just its going one miles per hour, if that, and I'm just like, man, come on, move. But I'm glad I'm here. It is a nice day. No, I'm glad I'm glad you made it. What is in the water this time of year in Oakland? We've been, we've been talking about this, you know, the whole show until, until you get down here. You know you've been in this clubhouse. You've been through the pennant races. 
what is it about this time of year that seems to get into the A's? I mean, it doesn't matter who's on the schedule, it seems. They, they play their best baseball. You know, I, I think it starts with the skipper. I talked about it before and, and having a good manager, a good leader in there. And the way his personality vibes around this year kind of transcends into the clubhouse to where if he's uptight, you know, if he's pressing a little bit, then towards this last end of the season stretch towards the, the playoffs, you know, the clubhouse can be tight. And Melvin, he's relaxed like a Francona. Guys that have been around it, have done it before, uh, they just keep it loose, keep it the same. And when you have that mentality of the head guy where he's not pressing, he's just going out there, play the game, see ball, hit ball, throw ball, catch ball, and see what happens then you can kind of relax and just go out there and continue to play the game without the stress of that actual race happening. I saw an interesting article actually in The Athletic uh, a couple days ago where Brett Anderson was quoted, and he just talked about the way, and this has been a story since Bob Melvin's been here in Oakland, but the way that, that Bob Melvin communicates this players, it just seems like it's a, kind of a no-frills way to, to, to talk to you, meaning that, you know, uh, he's clear with you. He gets his message across without being condescending or, or, you know, trying to paint too rosy of a picture. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, if you get either side of that too much, that wears on guys once you get into the dog days of August a little bit. But but having that communication, does that have something to do with, with you know, these guys seem like they're willing to run through a brick wall for this guy? It does. I mean, you want your guy that's leading you to be open and honest. You know, I always tell my kids, they're kids, so they always do crazy things. But at times, you just tell them, hey, look, be normal. (laughs) You know, be normal. And that's exactly what Bo Mel is. He's just a normal guy that has this position. And when, you know, you can relate to a a manager or or a peer or something like that as a normal person, a regular guy, um, although you have to respect the authority as it lays, you know, the hierarchy, um, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier than try, somebody trying to be a manager. I mean, he's just himself, and it comes off well. Another thing we've been kicking around here is who, who, who really is the A's MVP here this year? Marcus Simeon obviously had the home run last night. Uh, his career arc has been incredible. Uh, you play with Marcus, right, when he was, yep. uh, yeah, his first couple years, I guess. Seeing him turn around the way he has, obviously Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. But I really wanted to talk to you about Mark Hanna uh, because he has filled in in so many different positions. Uh, at first base for Olsen when he was down, for KD at DH, right field for Piscotty, and now he's playing center field, it seems like, at a pretty high level in there for Ramon Laurie. How tough is that to do, to, to just throw him out in center field and, and he's playing he's playing the position the way he is? Just to play multiple positions, playing on the right side of the infield, left side of the outfield, right side of the outfield, middle of the outfield, just different positions. It's always nice to have that flexibility with a player to be able to just send him out there and play at a high level and just watching him play center field last night and the reads that he's getting and the jumps that he's getting on the balls it's it's I mean he's doing a great job it's just it's fantastic to watch up there at that angle and those balls that are hitting to the gaps is his thought process to go get it or his thought process on a ball hit right at him to take that little read then go get it you know it's 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 really perfect the way he's going about it but Canna's done a great job he's always been a good hitter good defensive player he just needed needed that time to really get acclimated up here in the big leagues that little bit of time there but to also get that extended period of time that opportunity and most guys need that and some guys don't get it but he's getting it and he's showing what he can do he's doing a great job how much of a difference is, is there in the angles you know when you go from a corner like can has been playing left or right 
to center field. How many reps does it take to, to kind of get used to the flight path, the ball reading it off the bat? I mean, for you, when, when you went from corner to center or, or back from center to corner, wherever it was, you know, how long did it take for you to reacclimate yourself with that position? It takes a little bit of time. Um, when I went from center field to left field, it's just more so the, the flight path of the ball, the way that the ball in left field, that's the hardest position to play. So a fly ball into the gap is going to come back to you, or a ball down the line in left field is going to come back to you off the foul line back into fair territory. Uh, playing left field is the hardest simply because lefties, when they hit the ball, it's not as true as a righty hitting it and uh, to the opposite field. When a lefty hits it to you over there, it has all kind of weird yeah. slices and, and craziness to it. When a righty hits it up, it stays more true. So the right fielders, you've got to have the best arm. Left fielder, uh, center fielders, you have to cover the most ground. But as a, as a left fielder, you have to be able to play those, those angles and, and, and get to the ball and allow the ball to come back to you, uh, whether it's down the line or in the gap. So it's, it's, a little, it's a little different playing each position and being able to transition back and forth and get your mind in that mode of the position you're playing. It could be adjustment period if you haven't done that in a, in a long time. But as you see, Ken has been doing a great job of switching right away into whatever whatever position he has to play, whether it is like a first base like you talked about or – different outfield positions and you know to have a guy like that man is invaluable when you've got a guy like chris davis who's struggling uh is it sometimes just one at bat maybe one result that can really flip the switch and and kind of get you rolling downhill it can be you know whether it is that big home run that he hit opposite field that looked like vintage chris davis it is he had a great at bat i mean obviously he got ahead 3-0 which which helps you know the next at bat end up back again strike one strike two right but you know, he had a great at-bat, allowing himself to kind of stay in the zone where he wanted to, and then he battled uh, and was able to get a pitch that he can drive the other way. You know, whether sometimes it takes that bloop single or it takes that feel for a big power guy to hit it over the fence to get that feel back, and other times it just takes the mentality, which, which when you're struggling, the faster that you can say, the heck with it, you know, we, we care so much. I mean, you get to this level because you care a lot about being successful. And sometimes when you're struggling, that takes over in the batter's box. You start thinking too much. And at times you have to just say, you know what? Who cares? Stop caring. You know, the heck with it. And just see ball, hit ball, simplify it, and then go from there. And you get in, you get in trouble sometimes when you're, when you're up there, okay, my hands, this, that. And you forget. It's just really about seeing the ball, hitting the ball, zoning in. But like you talked about, with uh, that one swing, hopefully, hopefully that one swing kind of hit that that home run switch for him. But just that one at bat that I saw yesterday, it definitely looked like something had kind of clicked for him. How important is it for the A's to finish off this sweep against the Yankees? I mean, here I hear people all the time talking about this is what great teams do. They they they're really able to come out here and not rest on the two. You know, taking two out of three, they're able to go out and and finish it off with a sweep. Right, get complacent and say, okay, we won the series. Yep. You know, that's not how you have to go about playing this game. Talk about that, that cliche, oh, today's the most important game of the season. You know, or, you know, you can't think about the games in the past, win or lose. You know, stuff like that. Well, I mean, that is essentially how you have to go about it. The other two games, yeah, you won the series, but you can't really think like that. You have to come out. This game is very important, just like each at-bat is very important. you gotta, you got to be able to separate each individual thing to be able to be a successful team or be a successful hitter or to make a pitch, be a successful pitcher. And you can't look, say, okay, I just struck out two guys. Let me relax on this third out. That's when you get the walks, you know. Same thing with, with playing in these games. You won the first two. Oh, all right, whatever. 
today is the day that you have to come out and win another game no matter what happened previously. So Coco and I have this thing in the booth where you know, when a guy's on the mound, I'll, I'll show Coco his numbers. We'll go on baseball <laughs> reference. I'll show Coco his numbers. Uh, what do you remember about facing Tanaka? You know, the, the crazy thing is I don't remember facing too many really uh, too many pitchers like that. I mean, the ones like I always talk about Weaver, uh, you know, simply because it seemed like they always pitched him on a day game against us, and I hit him well during the night games. Um, but there's only really a few guys that I, I really remember facing and, and doing something against. But my main thing and my passion when I was studying pitchers was – on the base paths, you know, I studied them not to be successful, which is really weird in the box because my thought process in a box was staying within myself. It didn't matter what they did per se. The pitches, yes, but what whatever they did for me, I'm looking for a fastball in. I, you got to throw a fastball. Everybody has a fastball. I'm looking for a fastball in, and for me to be successful in the box, I had to stay within myself. But I did most of my work studying, so oh, uh, studying to be successful, still in bases. So when we talk about those numbers, I'm like, I think I did good because <laughs> you bring me these numbers down. I said, man, batted 134. I flipped that paper over. I'm like, I want to see this stuff, man. On the other <laughs> side, though, there's some guys you're like, I don't remember facing him, and you're like yeah. eight for 16 off the guy. And I'm gonna give that face. Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah, you kind of crumple those up and put them in your pocket. Right? You can hang on to those. Ones. Yeah, stick them on my wall for later. Good, good dreams. With a guy with a good splitter, though, is there a, mm-hmm. is there a certain approach you, you take? Is you seeing the ball up or? Yeah, for me, it was um, on off-speed pitches. It was just is about recognizing velocity, the velocity difference, and uh, what made it hard for me as a hitter was the fastball slider yeah. uh, from my right side, and and from my left side, it was more so that like backdoor cut of those late moving type of things. Um, but when a guy has a good splitter, especially a hard splitter, it can be difficult. Um, so you just have to try to recognize the the. Kind of knuckles, doesn't it? Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta see the baseball, the spin of the baseball as much as possible, and that can make it difficult with a hitter like me. That was uh, speed differential. That's what I try to recognize. But if you can pick up that spin of the ball early, or the rotation of the ball, then you have a better chance of being successful of laying off of a splitter. Or for me, I'm, I'm trying to lay off of it and just trying to hit that fastball unless I get to two strikes. Um, but if a guy is hunting that, which I wouldn't suggest do then you have to pick up that rotation early. Masahiro Tanaka tonight, of course, starting for the Yankees. He's got a good splitter, and we'll see how the A's, uh, the A's fare. Oh, we're gonna, no break. We're going to right, roll right into John Sterling, the radio voice of the Yankees. That is great news. Uh, so, again, with the splitter, trying to see it up, pick up the fastball. Are we rolling right into John Sterling right now? Is he ready? Okay. Fantastic. Coco, thank you for the time. All we'll right. see you in the booth. Have a good call tonight. I'll see you in a second. All right, thanks. Coco Crisp. Joining us, interesting. You know, that's a base stealer's mentality right there. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not thinking too much about. I don't remember too much about uh, my approach against certain guys. Uh, what I do remember is what I'm trying to pick up off of them on the base pass and stealing bases. John Sterling, the uh, radio voice of the uh, of the New York Yankees. Will now join us. I'm Alex Jensen. You're listening to A's Cast Live here at, on Ricky Henderson Field. And uh, John Sterling, the legendary voice of the New York Yankees. I think he knows how one of these headsets work. John, John, first of all, thank, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. It's, it's a pleasure to meet you. We, we've been calling you broadcasting's Iron Man. Uh, Cal Ripken's got nothing on you over 5,000 consecutive games. What, what, I mean, how, did, how do you go through so many years without taking a break? 
Well, actually, um, it was even more than that because I really began this in uh, November of um, 1981. I did my first Hawks game in Atlanta. And then when I did the Hawks and Braves, I had five years where I was doing about 220 games a year. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my goodness. But I never thought about it. I never thought about the streak. I never cared about it. I didn't go to work every day saying, oh, you can add one more to the streak. Uh, all I did was go to work every day. Now, what you can figure, Alex, we haven't even met yet. Hi, Alex. I'm, I'm Alex. Nice to meet you, John. Nice it's a pleasure. You. I was told you're Alex. Yes, so that's, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Um, you know, you could gather from it that's a labor of love, that I love doing what I'm doing. So even on days when I didn't feel well, you know, I got my tail to the ballpark and broadcast the game. And, and finally, I, I really felt uh, sick. Uh, the London trip didn't help. Yeah. And we had, I had th- two flights in three days. And so my program director, wonderful guy named Mark Chernoff, kept going to me and said, you got to take time off. And all my friends, Tom Hamilton of the Indians, Denny Matthews of Kansas City, and others said, you've got to take games off. You've got to take it. So I took four games off. And the publicity was just unbelievable. And um, I guess people thought I was dying or something because I took four <laughs> games off. It just I'm a jerk. I hadn't taken it off in 38 years. So, anyway, that's that's that. It's all over. No one's going to get close to it. And as I've kidded, I wouldn't I wouldn't think so. Uh, I, no one. Not 38 years of never missing a, uh, a broadcast. And anyway, if anyone ever approaches it, I'll probably be dead by then. Anyway, so, you know, not, not a big thing. So what did you do with yourself during your time off? I mean, was it was it nice to have the time off? Were you going crazy? I mean, how, how oh, was that no, for you? Oh, no, no. I entertain myself very well. And um, I have four kids, and, I mean, I have a very <laughs> busy life. It was great. And let me tell you, it was great. I didn't miss it at all. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe next year I'll start on a regular basis taking, you know, uh, certain road trips off, you know. You know, the toughest part of the job, I always tell everyone, including my bosses at Entercom, um, the broadcast in the game is the easiest thing I do. Sure. Okay. It's everything else. And with the Yankees, they don't give the Yankees, like tonight, getaway day games. And so we keep getting into the next city at like 3.30 or 4 in the morning, and that is by far the toughest part of the job. Easiest part is broadcasting the games. And once the lights go on, I mean, it's like it's like riding a bike, right? I mean, it's, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Once I – once – you know, uh, the the mic is on, and I have to start. I start uh, just running my mouth, that's all. So, <laughs> it isn't very tough. You, you can't get into this business unless unless you're not good, or unless you're good at running your mouth, right? I mean, that's right. kind of what we all do. Yeah. Welcome welcome to A's Cast Live, by the way, John. How, well, how do you like you. Our, our setup here on the field, watching BP? We're watching your Yankees take BP right now. It's fabulous, and you're surrounded by very lovely women. <laughs> have, have you noticed? So, no, this is very, very nice. I you know, I've loved coming out to um, uh, Northern California. I cannot tell you for so many years, and there's always been a kick. Now, I did basketball for years. Yes. And I'd come out with uh, the Bullets and the, the Nets and then the Hawks and go into the building right next to you, yeah. and uh, it was always a kick. You know, you'd, you'd leave the freezing cold northeast, and you'd come out here and you'd feel rejuvenated. How, how did you – I always think this this is fascinating to ask broadcasters such as yourself because this business is so crazy, as I've learned that it is. since I've been here. But how did you get into broadcasting? Well, actually, I was just talking with a buddy of mine who broadcasts the Atlanta Hawks, Steve Holman. And, um, you know, we're buddies, so we catch up with each other. And, and we kidded about di- – uh, 
today, three of my children started college. Congratulations. Three different colleges. I wish you'd help me write the checks. And, um, and so Steve and I were talking about how we never had to wonder what we were going to do for a living. I knew when I was 8, 9, 10, I was going on the air. Now, I, I told him a story. I'll tell you the story on the air. I read Eddie Fisher's book. You know what Eddie Fisher is? I don't. How sad. <laughs> uh, well, his daughter is Carrie Fisher. Do you know oh, yes, her? I know okay. Carrie Fisher, yes. And, and the mom was Debbie Reynolds, and they both died, as you know, within a, a day of each other. And uh, anyway, Eddie Fisher was a little boy growing up, terrible upbringing, you know, poverty-stricken in Philadelphia, horrible father. And he was a little boy. So he, had a, he was a big star in the 50s, 60s. Uh, every, every record was a hit record. And he had a great voice. And he said he was six or seven or eight, whatever he was. And he opened up his mouth to sing. And out came this glorious sound. And he knew then he was going to be a singer. So you know, it was very tough on my kids. I have four in college. One is graduating in, in the end of this year. And um, I don't know if they know what they want to do. I, they may know an area, want to go into business or whatever. Whereas I didn't have that problem. I knew when I was 10 years old I was going to be on the air. Hey, what's changed about the business since, since that time? I mean, what's, what's the biggest change that you've noticed? Boy, that's a very good question. Um, I don't think it's, uh, it's very competitive as it's always been. Sure. But now there are a lot more outlets. Uh, the AM uh, band is jammed. The FM band is jammed um, uh, because of cable. Uh, they, it's like having, you know, 1,000 TV stations. You know, and whatever you want to be interested in, there's a, a cable outfit that just does that. So I think that's a big change in the business. What about the Yankees this year? I mean, how have they done this? Because they've used the injured list, by my count, 16 times. You've got John Carlos Stanton on the injured list. You've got Aaron Hicks, uh, Miguel Andujar, Greg Bird, Luke Boyd. I mean, you, the list goes on. Edwin Encarnacion. Oh, it's phenomenal. How, how have they done this? Well, it's, it's, I think, one of the most exciting years uh, because they have come up. Um, Brian Cashman, you have to pat him on the back, Brian and his his merry men, and they have come up with terrific players because when you look at the Yankees, everyone's been injured. Judge has been on the DL. Yep. Sanchez has been on the DL a couple of times. You named the, the others, and uh, you have to give Aaron Boone credit for keeping the team together, being positive, and uh, they come up with Gio Urshela out of the blue, and he's hitting like 340 with power. He's a great fielding third baseman. Uh, DJ LeMay, who has been the greatest addition, he's been the MVP all year long. Uh, Cameron Mabin, Mike Tockman. Uh, you saw Mike Ford hit a home run last night. So they not keep, a cheapie either. That, that no, was, yeah. and their starting pitching is not great. It's been very, very inconsistent. Uh, how have they done this? And um, it's been remarkable that they've done it and have, you know, such a phenomenal record. Uh, they're battling Houston for the best record in the league. And they're battling the Dodgers for the best record in baseball, which all the Yankees, they know that they want it because they want the extra home game in the playoffs. You know, comes time for the seventh game, you want it at Yankee Stadium. Oh, that, we that saw it. that last year with the wild card uh, game. Absolutely. So yeah. um, it's been a very unusual year and, and in many ways the most exciting and most satisfying. Uh, I'd say my favorite year has been was 96. Uh 
They gave the managerial job to a buddy of mine, Joe Torrey. It was so great. And uh, they surprised everyone by going all the way. You know, in 98, they had such a great team. It didn't surprise anybody. But yep. 96, well, this year is a big surprise. You grew up in Manhattan, correct? I did. So did you grow up a Yankee fan? Yes. So of those years, I mean, can, what was special about that, growing up as a Yankee well, fan? Well, when, able- when I grew up, uh, my buddies were all Yankee fans. Sure. They're still my buddies after all these years. And, um, you know, the, it's phenomenal how much the Yankees won then. So we thought, hey. This is the way it is. That's the way it is. Yeah. If they didn't win it in a certain year, my goodness, what happened, you know? <laughs> And Yankee fans, unfortunately, are like that. You lose a game. Hey, what's going on? Right. You know? So, um, yeah, I grew up a Yankee fan, and uh, but I love the other teams. I love the players from other teams, and I've loved that to this day. Uh, I've broadcast football, basketball, baseball, and hockey, and um, I've always loved to see the other stars come in. The Yankees and the A's have, have built a little bit of a rivalry, I guess you could say, over the last 20 years or so, going back to the division series right. uh, matchups in the early 2000s, of course, last season. When you think about the Oakland A's and, and what they've done under Billy Bean, what do you think about? Well, they always make changes. Bean makes changes. Bob Melvin's a fabulous manager. And, you know, they they spend the first half of the year kind of sorting things out, and then they come up with their team, and they're great in the second half. And they're, they're really tough here. And the yeah. Yanks have had a lot of problems winning games here, like the last two nights. Um, so they're a team that gets the most out of their ability, and they have a good team. Hey, they have a really good team. Yeah. And uh, they've added to it in the second half of the year. So Billy Bean and David Frost do a heck of a job. They sure do. And, and, you know, I think that the kind of the cores, the offensive cores, maybe mirror each other a little bit, maybe a little bit on the younger side, a lot of firepower. Do you, do you see kind of uh, two similar teams, two similar maybe offensive teams, especially when you look at these two clubs? Yeah, I, I don't think, uh, especially in baseball, it's so different than the other sports, and it's so dependent on your pitching. And um, I don't think there are great differences between Oakland and Houston and Cleveland and the Yankees. Boston's having an off year. And uh, Tampa, there aren't grave differences. I always love it when people talk about how, well, they're going to go in the playoffs or they're going to go to the World Series. Really? Well, who are they going to play in the first <laughs> yeah. round? Can you tell me that? Who's going to be injured? With the Yankees, they have an injury every single day. Yeah. Uh, that is one thing that's really changed about baseball. In the old days, they didn't get hurt. They were on one-year contracts. They're showing you the time, so I guess we have to get off. Oh no, we're we're good. We're we're telling this is uh, this is great sitting here talking to you. So I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about your home run calls. That, that's uh, I mean that's when I think of John Sterling, that's that's what I think of. Uh, how how did you? Is this something you kind of always done? Uh, the the personalized home run calls for for each player? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I've always uh, done something. Different when I did the Nets and Bernard King was a rookie and he was great. Uh, the the players called him BB for the guitarist BB King. Mm-hmm. Well, I called him Bernard Sky BB King when he would when he would race down court and jam. Um, in in Atlanta, uh, I, I developed an enormous friendship with Dominique, and he loved it. And he would make a great move, and I'd say Dominique is magnifique. Awesome. And it, it, it caught on. So I never thought about it. Then when I, I um, doing the Yankees, uh, it, it began with Bernie Williams. 
somehow he hit a home run one day, and I'd say, burn, baby, burn. And um, then I did it for a couple of other people, and soon it became a cottage industry. It's nothing, again, I'm very lucky. Things happen that just work out. Um, the, the Yankees win call, uh, it, just, it just happened. You know, I'd say Yankees win, the Yankees win. And one day I put rock and roll into it. Yankees win, the Yankees win. And it, you hear it come back. When you hear it come back, you know that it's hit the public consciousness. And so that's like the home run call. Now I have to do a home run call for everyone, and that's really tough. But, um, but I do it as best I can, and it catches on. Now we have a young player um, named Mike Tockman. Yes. Better than anyone thought. They made a deal for him on the first day of the year. They sent a left-hand pitcher named Philip Deal to Colorado and got Tockman, and, and Brian Cashman said that they had their eye on Tockman for a while. So when he hit a home run, I said, Tockman, the Sockman. And uh, now there are T-shirts out. <laughs> so you know that it, it went over okay. So, so is that how you just kind of think of it, like whatever kind of comes to you? Or, well, I mean, a lot of them, the, the, the best ones are the ones that just come to you. you oh, know, yeah. Robbie Cano, don't you know, and, and A-Bomb from A-Rod. Well, others, you know, I have to think a little bit. If you and were- I don't think great either. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate you coming by our set here at A's Cast Live. Next time, next year you guys are in town, we'd love to have you on again. And who knows, maybe in October. Maybe maybe we'll see you again in October. You never know. Well, that would be great. I'd love it. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. John Sterling, Radio Voice of the Yankees. Thanks again. Okay, when we, uh, when we come back here on A's Cast Live, Jean Fruth, she is the photographer and author of a, uh, a coffee table book, uh, Grassroots Baseball where legends began. We'll talk to her about that when we come back on A's Cast Live from Ricky Henderson Field. This is A's All Night. Floriano has hit it out again. A's Baseball, just for you. Here is A's All Night. I'm Alex Jensen, and it's time for A's All Night. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal! Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pino! He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Alex Jensen. Live from Ricky Henderson Field, Alex Jensen with you here on A's Cast Live. What a conversation that was with John Sterling. We'll recycle that for you on A's Total Access coming up before A's Yankees. And uh, right now we're looking at a pretty cool uh, coffee table book here as we're joined by Gene Fruth, the photographer and author of Grassroots Baseball. Gene, thanks for – you've been making the rounds, I understand. I have been making the rounds, yeah. Grassroots Baseball, and we're uh, traveling around, and we have a new project called Grassroots Baseball Route 66. So between the book tour and Route 66, we're pretty busy. But I'm happy to be back here at home in Oakland. That's, you're a Bay Area native. I am, San Francisco. Well, I grew up in New York, but I've been in San Francisco since 1994, so half my life. So it's, I consider this home. And you spent time covering – I saw you spent time covering both the A's and the Giants. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for many years, shooting uh, A's and Giants, and then started shooting for the Baseball Hall of Fame and traveled with them. And while I was traveling, 
um, shooting Major League Baseball and professional baseball around the world, I always took time to shoot the amateur game, the grassroots game. And this book is a collection of those photos all around the world of the amateur game. And each chapter, is 15 of them, opens with a legend, and he tells his story of what it was like growing up playing baseball in the early years in that region. And there's eight regions um, in the U.S. and seven outside the U.S. And we have uh, Ricky Henderson for Oakland, yep. of course. And that story, he had, it's his first person essay is just so, of course, entertaining and just the style you would expect from Ricky and so much fun. And um, Cal Ripken Jr. wrote the introduction. Johnny Bench wrote the afterward. And... Um, the regions are Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Curacao, and then, of course, the United States, Texas, all hotbeds of baseball. Hank Aaron wrote a chapter for Mobile, Alabama, Whitey Ford for New York. So now the book is called Grassroots Baseball, Where Legends Begin. It's, it's a bunch of photos and, as you mentioned, essays uh, put together of, of the amateur game. And uh, you mentioned the cool part about the Hall of Famers. Was, was there a favorite part? Did you have a favorite part about putting this, this together? Was it reading the essays, taking the photos, traveling? What was your favorite part about, about this whole project, and how did it start? Well, of course, shooting is always my favorite part, and I've always loved the amateur game and loved Little League and loved all of the – I mean, everything in this book from old guys playing stickball to – uh, kids playing sandlot baseball in Mexico. And uh, one of my favorite parts was I was already connected to Hall of Famers because I was doing portraits of them working for the Hall of Fame and had a lot of chance to hear their stories. And as I heard their stories, I thought how great it would be to pair these images with the stories, these youth stories. And the first guy I asked was actually Ricky Henderson. And I asked him during spring training a few years ago if he'd be interested in writing an essay. And he immediately went into his story of what it was like playing baseball for Bushrod Little League and the story was just incredible and he told me how he wanted to play football, his mom wanted him to play baseball and his coach would come to his house, pick him up, his baseball coach, and have waiting for him in the back seat a hot chocolate and a glazed donut and that's why he played baseball. <laughs> so, well, so we, we have the book open to Oakland right now because uh, as you mentioned Oakland is, is one of the places you went in the U.S. Aberdeen, Cape Cod, Mobile, Alabama, New York, Oakland, Round Rock, Tampa, and Williamsport. It looks like there's some uh, some Oakland All-Stars here. We see even the high school game is chronicled in here. I mean, it must have been pretty cool to, to kind of uh, take a look at Oakland after starting with Ricky Henderson and, and kind of seeing, because Ricky went to Oakland Tech. and Yeah, and Oakland Tech was just great to document. So I had the opportunity to document their games and, you know, be where Ricky Henderson, you know, and that's where Ricky met his wife, you know, and she, she was keeping stats for the football team. And, of course, Ricky played football and baseball for Oakland Tech. And so I, I documented the Oakland Tech um, uh, baseball team as well as Bushrod Little League and yeah. all the Little League, Oakland, Knoll, Soul, North Oakland Little League and South Oakland Little League. And we've done some fundraisers for them. And we're actually here. We're going to do a signing, a book signing um, on Sunday. Uh, at Gate D when the gates open, um, and the proceeds will go to the community fund for, for the Oakland Athletics, which I'm really excited about. Seeing this for me, Gene, is uh, really quick. I grew up in Oakland. I grew up actually playing baseball about three blocks from here on 66th Avenue at Greenman Field. Oh, fantastic. I, you, yeah, I sure there. do. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is, this is kind of the, the Oakland section certainly uh, tugs at my heartstrings. I see St. Mary's High School in here. That's the, that's the high school I went to playing against Oakland Tech. 
Were there any other regions of the world that uh, that really stood out to you when you were when you were creating this? Well, um, one region would be Mobile, Alabama. Hank Aaron writes this incredible story, you know, of when he was growing up playing baseball, and of course he started playing with the Mobile Black Bears, and it was during you know segregation, the height of racism, and everything he had to endure before um, you know making it into the major leagues. And the the historical chapter, the, the history of Mobile, Alabama, there's five Hall of Fame from Mobile, Alabama. Wow. Satchel Page, Ozzie Smith, Willie McCovey, Hank Aaron, and I'm missing one. Uh, did I say Ozzie Smith? Willie Mays? Willie, no, Willie McCovey for Willie sure. Willie McCovey, okay. Yep. And, and so the, the history of, of Mobile is just uh, so rich. And um, so that, that, that chapter was important to me. And Hank Aaron's childhood home is in the book and um, all the high schools that um, are around that area. So I did a lot of high school um, baseball for, for the Mobile chapter, and that was terrific. And um, the Caribbean series is a great chapter. Juan Marichal writes a great essay of what it was like, you know, growing up in the Dominican Republic and, and opened the, the uh, Caribbean series for me. And, um, yeah, there's just a lot of stories in there, a lot of great first-person essays. You know, I love the images, but the stories, uh, I'm excited for people to read. What did you notice about the differences in the way different countries kind of uh, approach the game or, or, or uh, you know, are involved with the game, I guess you could say? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I- Baseball looks different in different places, and my job was to show that, the cultural difference of baseball. And when you look at Mexico compared to you look at the Cape Cod League, you know, you really see what baseball looks like in these different places. Their culture, what they're, I mean, the way the Dominican Republic celebrates when they hit a home run and, you know, how tradition, how steeped in tradition Cape Cod League is. So, and Texas and how baseball is important to them there. And Texas certainly looks like Texas. And, yeah. and that's what's really fun about this book it's the stories off the field and the culture of baseball that really make it interesting and then you know a guy like nolan ryan talks about growing up and having his paper out and what it was like getting his first glove and uh it's pretty special pretty heartwarming did you see i mean just in terms of i mean so i went to japan a couple years ago and right near my friend's apartment he was playing out there for a team in fukuoka uh and right outside of his um outside of his apartment there was a, a like a high school baseball game going on and the field was all dirt the outfield was dirt too did you see any any anything interesting like that oh absolutely in japan i mean the tradition of baseball there and just the way that the the respect that they have the respect they have ichiro suzuki opens up the japan um chapter of the book and yeah the dirt infield that ball flies the dirt infield for sure and oh, outfield yeah. so it moves quickly but the way they bow to the umpires when they come up to the plate at the end both teams line up and they bow to the umpires and thank the umpires at the end and the way and the fans of course Japanese fans are like no incredible other. absolutely incredible and i got a chance to photograph in Koshien stadium and that's where the high school tournament goes on and uh, unbelievable amazing. absolutely amazing so yeah. th- there is a there's a high school tournament for there's a high school tournament in Japan that's i mean it's like it's a it's an event every year for every, i mean there's like 30,000 people at these games, Correct. right? Correct, yes. Yeah, each game is like 30,000 people. It's like a World Series going on. and it's Televised the, it's the hard, as well? Televised, yeah. the hardest thing to get into, an unbelievable amount of media. Yeah, it's a, Koshian's a, a special scene, and, and they have um, this shrine there that the players go to, and they touch this rock, and then they leave a note, and it's supposed to be good luck for them before they play in the tournament. and It's pretty neat. 
Since we're here on Ricky Henderson Field, do you have a uh, favorite memory of, of covering a game on this very field? Oh, well, for sure the day that they named it Ricky Henderson Field was fun for me, and I used that photo of Ricky, uh, that image, for his opening chapter because I just thought how great that he's back here and now it's Ricky Henderson Field as it should be. So I'd say that's a favorite one. But some playoff games here have been really special to me, and uh, and I look forward to the next playoff game this year. So that's 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 my that's going to be my next favorite photo. Let, let's hope it's this year. The, the the name of the book is Grassroots Baseball, where legends begin. And, and the name of your other project as well is that oh, Grassroots Baseball Route sixty six. And the that next that one. sounds like it'll be all the states. Yep, that yeah, just just traveling along Route sixty six starts in Chicago, ends in Santa Monica. Goodness, what a dream! <laughs> I mean, that's, that sounds like. Sounds like great. So Jean will be here again all weekend uh, signing copies of her book at the team store, as she said, at Gate D on Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then in Section uh, 217 by Shy Park Tavern from 1 to 3. All proceeds from the sales of this book uh, will go to the A's Community Fund to support youth baseball. Jean Fru, thank you so much for, for taking the time and, and joining us. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to flipping through this and, and checking out what you have in here. Sounds like a great project, and I can't wait for your next uh, one. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. That is Jean Fruth joining us here on A's Cast Live. What a day it's been. Jean uh, Fruth, John Sterling, Coco Crisp, and, uh, and the A's are going for the sweep today. And Townie, I can't, how could I forget about Townie? Thank you, Jean. I appreciate it. How could I forget about Townie coming to us from International Waters? Cody Elias, this is a great show. Alex, you did a great job. The interview with John Sterling, incredible. I can tell that was like a highlight of your career. But highlight of my career right now, breaking news. When I don't need to sound her, the breaking news, just play it. There's a shot back into right field. That's got good carry and will get out of here over the scoreboard and the Razor on the board. Home run number 22 for Austin Meadows. And there it is, the 259th home run allowed by the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff. The record was 258, set three years ago by the Cincinnati Reds in 162 games. I can't believe I'm privileged enough to be here for history. It's August 22nd, and the record's already fallen. Over under 300 home runs allowed by the Orioles this season. What are they at right now? 259. Yeah, over. There's a month and a half left in in the season. 330. 330? That's a lot. I'm going to say 305. I'm going to say about 325. Well, Aaron Brooks got the win last night for them, by the way, former A. Good for him. <laughs> okay. The record didn't fall last night. It fell today. I don't, I don't care who wins the game, now. That's true. Are you going to keep, keep tweeting about it? Uh, yes. Uh, I went to, I mean, obviously, I went to Orioles Winks. It helps the A's in the wild card race. That's true. What's the score right now? It's 2-1. 2-1 now. 2-1 Orioles. Let's go Orioles. Score some runs. Okay. That's going to do it for us here on A's Cast Live, and I get the pleasure now. I've been thinking about how I was going to do this for the next couple days. I'm going to throw it to myself with A's all night, and then that will lead right into me in the treehouse for A's total access. Can you ready for A's Yankees? How do I do? What is this? What is this? The Townie Show with Alex Jensen? This is this is this is uh, AJ Day. We'll call it AJ Day. At A Jensen eighty six on Twitter. At A Jensen eighty six on Twitter. Cody, thank you. Of course, appreciate it, Ben. As always. My man. Okay, so that's been A's Cast Live. Up next, me with A's All Night, followed by me in the treehouse. With With John Sterling. With John Sterling. We'll have Mike Piscotti on. It is ALS Awareness Day uh, here at the Coliseum, and the A's are going for the sweep. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you shortly on A's Total Access from the treehouse. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 